guys, my name is Libby and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this incredible message. What you're about to hear is the final part of the four-week series, Who Made God? In this message, Pastor Brett is talking about the heartless God. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? I want to just share with us for a few moments um, about this idea, who made God? We've been asking this question for about the last four weeks, and today, for some reason, I decided to take the heaviest topic and put it right here. Normally, we should be laughing and doing all those things, but today, I'm like, hey, let's just be a Debbie Downer, and uh, that's why Emily's song just helps us get in the right space, uh, because you like it so much, and then I drop this on you. Acts 19, verse 26. Acts 19, verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. All the verses are on the screen behind me, but as you have seen and heard the man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. <laughs> You're like, I don't understand what this means at all. Let me explain. At this time, there's a guy named the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, is largely regarded as the, the greatest thing that happened in the church aside from Jesus. And he was causing problems because he would roll into cities and towns and he would say, listen, those little trinkets and things that you worship are not really gods. And we right now in the world, with the worldview that we live with, we're like, yeah, of course man-made objects are not like gods. They're not things that we follow. They're not things that we worship. And yet, we do have handcrafted gods in our life, made by us. The truth is, it's a trick question because the answer to the question, who made God, is I did. I did. I picked the parts of the Bible that I liked, and I went with that. Or, more commonly, I rejected God, I rejected Jesus, I rejected Christianity because it did not line up with the things that I liked or the things that I've seen, or the experiences that I've had. And so we wholeheartedly rejected the idea of God, not for any one reason, but because of a whole lot of reasons, and it just didn't fit into the box that we were comfortable with. And what we're trying to do, and what we've been trying to do, is dispel some myths about who God is. We talked about the on-demand God. You know, God only loves me if he answers my prayer right here, right now. God doesn't show you or prove to you that he loves you because he answers your prayer. He proved to you that he loved you when he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross once and for all, that all mankind could live eternally and have a relationship with him. He proved his love in that moment. The on-demand God doesn't exist. So if you're mad at him, it's not really there. <laughs> we talked about the goosebumps God. Oh, the vibes, I love the feels. Or what happens when I don't feel God, if, if I can't feel him and I have felt before, is that, does that mean he's not present? Goosebumps God doesn't exist in spite of my emotions, in spite of how I feel, in spite of even how things look. God's still present. Today I want to look at the idea of the heartless God. Sometimes uh, when I go and meet new people, I have to consciously avoid telling them what I do for as long as possible. So I find creative ways to get around saying what I say, because if I tell them right away, hey, you know, 
I'm a pastor or, hey, you know, I, you know, this is what I do. They're like, oh, you know what I mean? Like they try and get away from me as quickly as possible or they're like, they slam me pretty hard. Generally, like especially if we're, we're in closed confines. So if you show up at an event, you know, a community event or something and like, oh, you're a pastor. Like, oh, that's so good. I'm so hungry. I'm going to get some more. Or, and then our conversation turns to silence. So I just kind of find, like, ways around it, you know. It's like, so what do you do? I'm an environmental architect. Oh, so what does that mean? I just create spaces and places where people could encounter things that they have not yet encountered before. They're like, how does that work? Well, you know, really, like, we've created some, some handmade environments, and we gather regularly, and we celebrate. And like, we got music, a killer band. We got light. And they're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, I kind of just share some thoughts. And they're like, like a TED Talk? I'm like, totally like a TED Talk. <laughs> and then eventually, <laughs> the truth comes out. And oftentimes, it goes okay. Sometimes, it doesn't go at all. And then every once in a while, you get a question like this. How do you believe in a God who doesn't seem to care? And it wasn't said in a heartless way. The question was asked in a heartbroken way. You know, because they pray, they believe, might not even know what to believe, but they did everything right. And still that baby girl doesn't survive. Or that aunt doesn't win her fight against cancer. <laughs> they say, how do you... How do you do this? I mean, it doesn't take much for us to understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling. I mean, open your news feed, scroll through. Mass murder, school shooting, racist killing, natural disaster. And we find ourselves asking, why? Oh, you thought you were the only one who was asking these questions? And you definitely think that I would be, wasn't the one that was asking these questions. And yet... It is the journey, journey of humanity. You know, one of the things that I love about my job, it's a, I count it as a privilege, as an honor, is that I get to walk through every high moment in people's lives and every low moment in people's lives. I get the full gamut, literally cradle to grave. And that's an honor. It's an honor to be a part of the celebration. It's an honor to be a part of the heartbreak. It's an honor to be a part of the journey, and yet we find ourselves in the midst of those moments going, man, if God could do something, why doesn't he? Oh, it's only me. Has anyone had that moment where they felt like the Bible was really boring? Anyone? Then clearly you didn't read the part in Mark 6 where this guy named John the Baptist, who literally wore, wore animal skins and ate uh, caterpillars and crickets, showed up and was saying, hey, Jesus is coming. And he just would yell this and then dunk people in the river. We call it baptism, but if you see it for the first time, you're like, wow, that guy's just holding people under the water for a while. And there was a king of that day, his name was Herod. And, you know, sometimes we read the Bible and we forget that, that this is a historical book. That, that the timeline of the Bible actually coincides with the timeline of the world. Imagine that. It was like actual history at the time. So there's an actual historical king named Herod who was a tetrarch, which means he was the sub-king, which meant that the, the Roman authorities said, hey, it's going to be really cute if we let you pretend to rule this area so that all your people like us. 
So this guy named Herod, he wanted to marry his brother's wife. She was, oddly enough, named Herodias. So he decided to divorce his wife, you know, do something. He may or may, it's not conclusive whether he murdered his brother or not. Uh, grabbed his wife, had a daughter named also Herodias, which is weird, because the more Herods there are, the better, apparently. And they're also super creative in baby names. But John spoke out against this kind of, he's like, guys, what are you doing? You can't just, like, kill people and marry whoever you want, especially, like, your sister's wife, bro. What is wrong with you? Sister-in-law? Like, come on, man. So Herod kind of liked John, though, because he was like, well, I'll just put him in prison so he shuts up. But he seems to have some kind of wisdom about him. Heroditus did not like him. And so at a party, now this gets really creepy for a moment. So this is the Bible, and this is why it's not boring. At a party, just like this, they said, hey, go get your daughter to dance for us. So at a party, everyone's drunk. They bring out Herod's daughter. She dances, and the Bible literally says that everybody was pleased by it, which is weird and creepy. So then he said, let's just do whatever she wants. Hey, let us give you a gift. What do you want? And <laughs> he's, she's like, uh, I don't know. Let me talk to my mom, the other Herodias. And they said, what we want is John's head on a platter. So cool party trick. They cut John's head off and bring it in on a platter. And everyone's like, awesome. This party couldn't get any better. And you're like, that's gross. That's real. That was that just happened. But think about John for a moment, the cousin of Jesus, whose literal only job, like his purpose on earth was to prepare the way for the coming Savior, Jesus. That was literally his job. So Jesus shows up on the scene. He's out of a job. He ends up in prison. And while he's in prison, knowing that Jesus literally not that long ago turned water into wine and did all these miraculous things, sends his guys to go like, Jesus, is it really you? Because how many know that when you get into a tough situation, it doesn't matter how sure you were, how confident you were, how much faith you had. When things get tough, when times get real and the struggle is real, you start asking questions. And John started asking a question, are you actually who you say you are? It's like, bro, you, yes. <laughs> Yes, he's like, well, can't you get me out of here? Like, you turned water into wine. Can you not get me out of here? And the story ends with his head getting chopped off. Kind of seems fair to be able to answer some questions. And you might be saying, hold on, aren't you the pastor? Aren't you supposed to be giving us answers today? And aren't we supposed to feel good by the end? Yeah, that's what the song was for. I told you that. <laughs> But can I tell you that your, your questions don't separate you from God? Your questions do not separate you from God. Your questions also do not disqualify you from a relationship with God. You're like, how can I have faith if I have questions? I would suggest that the, the fact that you're even grappling with it shows that your faith is stronger than you would even give credit for. That in the midst of a hard situation... When it feels like you want to give up, when you just want to wholeheartedly reject it and just say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. There's something in you that's like, come, but come on. I know it's possible, and there it is right there. I know that it's possible, God, for you to do something. So what do we do in life, and especially when God doesn't seem fair? Now, the honest truth is today, in like 20 minutes, I cannot answer all your questions. But what I can do is I can take a few moments to point you to the one who one day will.
is our first thought for today. God has a purpose in your pain. God has a purpose in your pain. For those of you who do not know, I'm the proud owner of a 49cc Piaggio Typhoon scooter that I drive all over the city of Spruce Grove all summer long. I'm also pleased to announce it cost me $3 to fill up my tank. Well, yours cost you $95. So hashtag truck life, hashtag scooter life, okay? So we had some friends coming over, and I had to run out and get some food because the, the, the thing that you do when friends come over is you go, you go to the store and get churros. Am I right? Like, if they're available, you can get them. And I'm like, well, it's the last ride. It's fall. It's the last ride of the season. I'm just going to take her out for one more moment, one more ride. Like, I'm just going to cruise these streets in a way with the scent of churros in my, my, my face. It's going to be delightful. Wind in my helmet, and it's just going to be amazing. I get to the store, get the churros, get back on my bike, and cruise down Century to only get halfway down Century Road heading to Grove Drive when I get hit in the face with something. And I thought it was a rock, except what I realized is rocks don't sting me continuously. A wasp had flown, hit me in the face, and was stinging my, stinging my bottom lip repeatedly at 60 kilometers an hour, holding on for dear life. They don't die like a bee, so I was pretty confident it was a wasp. So while driving, with churros in my back, I'm like... And then, if you've seen the movie Hitch, <laughs> all hell breaks loose on my face. My lip is so giant... Corey and Robin come over. I answered them. I'm like, hey, come today. Literally, I'm supposed to be doing marriage count, like premarital count. Like they're about to get married. I'm going to share them all the secrets to a long and happy marriage or basically just tell them how to fight for real. And my lip is so large. Luckily, Desiree, my wife, figured out that if, if we put a cloth and dipped it in apple cider vinegar, that it would take the swelling down. So between conversations, I'm – Going like that, talking like this. I would take it off because I get passionate, and obviously you can tell I talk with my hands. So putting something on my lip isn't possible. So then I take it off my face, and my lip gets giant again, and then it swells back down. You're like, what on earth are you telling this story for? I'm telling you this story because my pain has a purpose, and my pain in this moment has a purpose to help us understand and realize that though this is hard and though this is tough and though that it's heavy and there's lots of hard situations, that God is present in your pain. And he has the ability to take your pain and turn it together for good. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. There is pain in my purpose that I could tell you that story right here today so I could round off the rough edges and open your heart just a little further so that you know when it says in James chapter 1 that when troubles of any kind come your way, you can consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You're like, I don't like the sounds of any of this. Consider it an opportunity for great joy when troubles and trials come my way. You're like, what kind of troubles and trials could these people have been going through? Oh, you know, having their homes and property repossessed because they believed in Jesus. 
oh, you know, Romans decided they wanted streetlights so they would grab the nearest Christian, tar them, feather them, light them on fire so they could light their pathway home. So when these words are written in the midst of history, we can understand that we're not alone in knowing what it's like to go through moments of pain and trial. And these people considered it an opportunity for great joy because their capacity would grow. You know, sometimes when you go through things and you go through different seasons of your life, you, you begin to understand that you're being stretched. And when you come out of that season and you go through what feels like the worst season of your life, you come out on the other side and some time passes and you go through a similar thing and you're like, oh, that didn't really feel that bad. Like it sucked. But what happened? What's different? If we stay the course, if we put our trust in Jesus, know that he's there and he's present in our pain, he's working together for our good. There's a purpose in it. Not that he caused it, but there's a purpose in it. That when I come out on the other side, I come out stronger. I come out with a greater capacity. I love this verse in, in James 1 verse 4. For let, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How is it that I could be needing nothing because it seems like I'm needing something all the time? What does it mean to be perfect and complete and needing nothing? We simply need nothing because in Jesus we find everything. And we understand, oh, God, my whole life I've lived it going, God, this is what I need. This is what I need. And we make our list and God says, hold on, no, no, no. I'm what you need. If you got me, we'll take care of the rest together. Second thought for today. God is present in your pain. God is present. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like you're abandoned. First of all, God says, and this doesn't mean anything to you if you don't yet trust the Bible, but for those of us who do, when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, you're like, all right, well, then where are you? Have you ever had that moment in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, trying to figure out what this, what this is all about? You're like, God, where are you? Why aren't you here? How come you're not doing something? And you just start, like, yelling for some reason, or maybe that's only me. I apparently just yell when I'm having a good time. <laughs> God, where are you? And if, if it's like me, it's in my car, and I start driving faster. Hence... All my photo radar tickets, courtesy of the city of Spruce Grove. The policy needs to change, my friends. Anyways, take a moment. I'll take a moment. It's <clears throat> right. I mean, they're here. I'm here. It's cash cow. It's fine. God is present in my pain when I open up that bill, I can tell you. And I'm like, why? He's like, try slowing down. I'm like, try not hiding the van in a field. It's fine. <laughs> We're getting applause, like spattered applause, but it's applause nonetheless. <clears throat> but when you're yelling at the top of your lungs because you're like, God, where are you? And I'm mad at you. Don't you realize that you're actually talking to the God that you thought was like absent? 
don't you realize in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the battle, when you're yelling, like, how come you're not here, that you're actually talking to him? So, like, maybe he's not as absent as you think because something inside of you is actually aware that there's something there. It's like in the midst of the biggest crisis, also known as turbulence in an airplane, it's amazing how many atheists begin to pray. Literally. I was sitting on a, in an airplane beside a guy. He's like, dude, I'm an atheist. I hate your job. I hate what you do. But I like you as a person. I'm like, I can respect that. So I cheers my Coke to his rum and Coke, and it was a great flight. Until the turbulence came, and he grabbed the seat handles and said, oh, dear God. Help us. And then it calmed down, and it was literally like a bump. It's like, bro, have you not been on an airplane before? And I'm like, hey, did you? <laughs> I'm like, hey, I don't want to like. I'm just going to say that I don't know if you noticed that you just prayed there a moment ago. For all of us on the plane, not even only for yourself, so thank you for being generous. He clearly heard you. Do you want to reconsider your position? <laughs> Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge, our strength, our ever-present help in time of trouble. It's Romans 12, it says if you want to be like Christ, it's simple. If you want to be like Jesus, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. God is present in your pain. Often we ask, why do you? Bad things happen to good people. But nobody seems to ask, why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> and if, if I could just take a, be, a moment to be even more honest than I've already been, I am willing to admit to you today that God is not fair. Step into the light. That God is not fair. You're right. Thank God God is not fair, because God is just. He's not always fair, but he's just. You're like, okay, what does that have to do with me? Well, from our vantage point, from our perspective, what we believe is, according to Scripture, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It does not matter who we are. We are all separated from God. We are all deserving of a punishment, and yet 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus Christ went and died on a cross for all of us that we could have eternal life and we could have a relationship with him, but sometimes what gets lost is that the entire weight of the world's sin rested on his shoulders in that moment. So I would not have to carry that anymore. So now, if you think Jesus is judgy, you've just misinterpreted him. That's a God of your own making. Jesus isn't judgy. Jesus came to be our Savior. He came to walk with us through our pain. He came to feed those who cannot feed themselves, to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. And he came because even though I deserve so much worse, he gave me the best. And now we turn around, and today especially we decide that we as a community, as a community of faith, as a church, as a family, we say, hey, today we put our foot down. And as long as we can, we're going to make sure that people have access to the food that they need to thrive, not only survive, in our community. Pain huh, is real. But pain, pain is always misinterpreted from our perspective. 
So when I was a little kid, I was rollerblading back in the glory days of rollerblades. And I did not tie them up because I was in grade three. And I just could not wait. And I went down a curb and just snapped my ankle. And when you go to the an- when you go to the hospital and you have to get a cast on, you know, you think that they're just going to put a cast on and it'll be fine. But you can't just put a cast in the wrong place because if you set the bones, it's going to heal wrong and you'll, you'll have permanent issues. So then they do something that I'm thankful I have not yet had to go through with my own son. They ask the parents to hold their child down while they reduce and reset the brake. So as a kid, you're like, why am I going through this pain? And you look into the eyes of your, your parents who, who love you and you love them and, and there's, there's, there's fear and there's terror and there's questions and question marks and there's, and there's screams and there's tears and there's weeping and there's weeping on both sides because you know that this pain has a purpose. You know, if only we could get to the other side, if, if only we could reduce this, if only we could set it properly, then you would have an opportunity to heal. Is it possible that the pain that you're going through right now in this season is not intended to cripple you, but is it possible that the pain in this season is allowable and permissible and, and present in your life? Because if you do not walk through this, the things in your heart will not come out will never heal. You will never be whole because that thing will haunt you. Is it perfect? Is it possible? God has a purpose in your pain. And I will say it is possible and I know today God is present in your pain because he's present here. Well, that wraps up our four-week series called Who Made God? Thank you so much for embarking on this journey with us where we talked about the big question of who made God? We're so grateful that you took time out of your day to listen and learn with us and just experience this life-changing message. 